Thank you, Jeff. Murray, choir, that great reminder, a great morning of worship already. So good to be with you. Merry Christmas. On behalf of the other 33 churches in our West Central Baptist Association, I bring you greetings, great tidings of great joy. We got a lot to celebrate, don't we? Boy, I wouldn't have died for you. I wouldn't have died for me. But Jesus came that he could die for all who would follow him. Oh, what a, what a pleasure it is to be here and get to proclaim that in front of you, uh, my beloved First Baptist Church body again. Back in uh, 1903, it was mid-December, cold, and two very excited young men there at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, ran to the telegraph office. And this was the message they sent. Success, four flights, Thursday morning, all against 21-mile mi winds, started from level, engine power alone, average speed through the air, 31 miles, longest, 59 seconds, informed press, home Christmas, Wilbur, and Orville. Their father, Bishop Milton Wright, received that telegram, and he sprinted down to the, uh, the Dayton paper, and he found the editor, and he said, can you run this in tomorrow's paper? And the editor said, absolutely we can run it, sure. And so the next morning, the front page of the Dayton Journal, the headline read, Popular local bicycle merchants to be home for the holidays. <laughs> you talk about missing the point. Here we are, Christmas, and people still miss the point. If you and I weren't careful, we could miss the point. Because there are a lot of things that are vying for our attention every time Christmas rolls around. Amen? Uh, we, we laugh at it and we joke about it, but you know, it's, it's not a joke if it really does pull us away from him. And we don't want to do that today. Some folks missed out on being ready for this today because of some of the activities they may have been involved in last night or the last several nights. And many others, like we can so easily do, have jumped on that treadmill. I call it a rat wheel of materialism that says you got to go, you got to buy, you got to charge, you got to go broke, you got to do all these things and get everything ready so you can be an absolute emotional wreck by the time Christmas actually gets here. It's not hard to miss it between travel and gifts, between exams for students, cantatas for choirs, all the things that must supposedly happen, and we can miss the whole purpose of Christmas. And friends, when you miss the purpose of Christmas, you have missed Christmas. What is the point of Christmas? And we know the, the church answer, and we know that's what we want. I'm going to go back to Hebrews 10 for just a moment, but I'd like to pray with you first. Lord God of heaven and earth, we ask now in Jesus' name, the one whose birth we celebrate, the one you sent while we were your enemies in sin, yet you sent him. You robed him in flesh. Oh, it pleased you to do the things that happened to your son. 
on our behalf. Lord, now help us to focus. Help us to breathe. Help us to be reminded again from your word, from your heart, into ours, Lord. We don't want to miss Christmas. Not this year, Lord. Help us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to go back and pick up verses 1 through 4 and then carry on to 5 and 7 quickly, which will be our text for the day. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the reality themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it, that is the law, if it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, talking to his father, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I've come to do your will, O God. What is the point of Christmas? Now, those letters in my Bible are not read. They're not red letters, but they could be. At some point in time, God the Son had this conversation or this dialogue with his Father in heaven. He came to do his Father's will. We don't know when he spoke it, but we know this, that this text that I just read and that Paul just read earlier is the mission statement of the Incarnation. It is taking God becoming flesh and walking on this earth and putting it in a three-verse capsule for me and you to go to today to be reminded of what has actually happened, though our minds cannot possibly carry it all, that God would come to this earth in the form of us, those whom he created. That is the purpose. This is why he came. And I want to shoot three at you. Three reasons in particular out of this text that tell us why he came here at Christmas and what we are celebrating today. According to the Bible, Jesus came, first of all, to satisfy God's standard. To satisfy God's standard in verses 5 and 6. Brothers and sisters, you have never satisfied God's standards, right? We know that. We know that our most righteous acts are like filthy rags. That's the best Jeremiah could put it. It's, they're like filthy rags. Your best acts, your most holy acts, are we just don't understand the holiness of God. And even when we see him for the first time, we will spend the rest of forever marveling at the depth, width, breadth, breadth and height of the holiness of God. The absolute perfection of God. The best thing you ever did would be like filthy rags to him. And it would do you no good had he not sent his son. He came to satisfy God's standard, to pay the price for sin. He says here, he came as a sacrifice. Those were the blood gifts, the blood offerings in the temple. 
They cost calves and cows, or bulls and goats and sheep and birds their blood life. They did nothing. It was required by the law of Moses. So were the offerings, the bloodless offerings, the tithe, the thank offering, the wave offering, all of these other offerings that cost money, the plate that they passed, so to speak. All of this was required by the law of Moses. In verse 6, more specifically, these sacrifices dealt with our sin. These sin offerings, my sin, your sin, and he was not pleased. This all sounds very strange to me. I mean, you think about the detail that the law goes into that God gave Moses to say, now when you sacrifice this, this bull, don't just do it any old way or any old place. It has to be done just so. Same with the goats, same with the sin offering, same with the the atoning offering. Everything has to be just right. You know, he took so much time to say it, and you mean it means nothing? I don't say it means nothing because it pushed the sin back. But the sin just continues to grow in this pile back here, stacked up like bricks, stacked up like lumber, piled up like the River Jordan when Joshua went across into the promised land. Just building up, but it never went away. This river of blood that flowed through the Old Testament accomplished nothing when it came to minding your sins. There would always be something else done, and it was never plan B. God did not look and say, well, my law has failed. I've got to come up with something else better. I'll send my son. In the eternal counsel of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Spirit had agreed and amened on this from the start. Before the start. Because there never was a start. Something would have to happen. Christmas is what happened. Animal blood can't take away human sin. And each day, these offerings showed more and more how insufficient they were. I'll just ask you one quick question. What are you offering as sufficiency to make God like you? Is there something that you feel like you have to do or he's not going to like you as much as he did? He loves you with an everlasting love that cannot ever be counted and that you'll marvel at the rest of forever if you're in heaven with him. He loves you so much that he would bring us Christmas when the priest sacrificed those animals, it just reminded it's not enough. Your sin is too great for this animal's sacrifice today to take care of your sin tomorrow. It won't add up. But he says in verse 5, but a body you prepared for me. A body you prepared for me. A flesh and bone and skin body you prepared for me. The word in the, in the Greek is sarks. You prepared a bag of blood and skin for me that I could go down into that world of a bunch of bags of skin and flesh and blood and I could die for them. You prepared a body, a physical body for me. We, can't, we really can't get our hands around this, this miraculous act that God would become a human being. It's a hard sell to the world, which is what we're selling them. Except we're selling them the truth. We're telling them the truth. That this is exactly what God did. This is what was required. And this is exactly what he did. His body was a virgin born body. Conceived of the Holy Spirit. 
To, to deny that is to call Mary a lying adulteress and to just, just throw away the whole gospel. It matters that he was born of a virgin. It matters. It strips away the truthfulness of, of his word if we say, well, she didn't have to be a virgin. She had to be a virgin. He said that. She was, he was deity from, from the Godhead. He, he left for lost humanity. And he didn't want us to grope and cope with all of our problems alone anymore. He came in the fullness of time, the Bible tells At the exact perfect time, Jesus came. A body born of a virgin. A body that was a sinless body. Tempted though, just like us. You think about how you've been tempted in the last week. That's about as far back as this memory can go anymore. That's a lie. I can't go close to that. But you just think in the last few days how you've been tempted to sin. And he was tempted just like that. In every way that you've ever been tempted, yet he did not sin. A virgin-born, sinless body. A body that was marked for death. He was the Lamb of God, slain since the foundation of the world and beyond backwards to take away our sins. And the Old Testament gives us many, many foreshadowings of this that was to come. The Passover Lamb. Every drop of blood scattered on the mercy seat at the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Other, all the, other sacrifices, but, but the reality is that Jesus paid the price for our sin when nothing else could. Nothing else could satisfy God. Friend, I want to encourage you because I know that in a group this size, there are people who have thought, just like I'm still prone to think from time to time, if I just do a little bit better, you can't. Let's take that burden off ourselves, put it where it belongs at the feet of the cross, and say, Amen, Lord, you are, you are king. You have died for my sins. You came to die. A marked for death body he had for us. Blood of bulls and goats did nothing, but it pleased God, Isaiah 53, to crush his own son for you. For you. For you. It pleased him to do that for you. For his glory, to be sure, but for you. He loves you that much. Today on Christmas, yesterday before Christmas, and tomorrow when Christmas is, we're just trying to clean up everything. He'll still love you just like that. Secondly, Jesus came to fulfill God's promises. There in chapter 10, verse 7a, the first part of it. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. We know, one thing, we know many things about God from his word, but one of them is he never changes. He's always the same. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. When he speaks, he acts. When he promises, he fulfills. He never goes back on his word, and he never makes a promise without meaning. And throughout the Old Testament, we see, the see that he calls humanity to look for the Messiah. He's coming. I'm going to send, and you know that as you read the Old Testament, you say, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And they were looking, standing on their tiptoes looking for him. They missed him when he came. I could do the same thing. I've done it. So have you. We want to stop that, though. But they had Old Testament promises. They had, hey, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's going to be born of a virgin. You might want to take note of that. He's going to come from the tribe of Judah. He's going to teach in parables. He's going to have a forerunner, that is John the Baptist. It was Elijah-like. He's going to be a minister from Galilee. He's going to be betrayed by a friend. None of his bones will be broken. His side will be pierced. 
and his body will not see decay. They had promises. God told them what to look for. What has he told me and you look for? I, I can't beat these people up. I've done that so many times, haven't you? You get it in your mind what God is going to do, and all of a sudden he's doing something totally different. That must not be the Lord. When What he's told me agrees with his word. We need to look to the word to understand more and more about Jesus, that he would come for us at Christmas. Jesus fulfilled the promises of Almighty God, Just and hang on to this, just not the way they were looking for it. The holiest people that you and I have never met, people who are so holy they would not talk to me and you. Pharisees, Pharisees, men of the law, scribes, lawyers of the word who memorized large parts and even the whole Old Testament. You would have never taught them anything if they asked you a question concerning Almighty God and his word. But he didn't come the way they expected him to. And they missed him completely. Not all of them, but most of them. Just like it is today. Even in, in churches all over the world. People who are expecting a certain type of God. One who agrees with them. One that they can keep in their back pocket, pull it out, pull him out when it's convenient. And when he agrees with me. That's not our God. And that's not the king that he sent on Christmas. Oh, he sent something better than that. Can you imagine if you were God? Can you if, imagine if you were the one that was sent to die for the sins of, of course we couldn't. But this fulfilled God's promises that he would come, that Jesus would come. John 1 says, he came to those which were his own, but his own did not receive him. But it continues, yet to all who do receive him, yet to all who did say, yes, you are Lord, to all said, I will die to myself, I will deny myself, I will take up my cross and I will follow you, I will turn my back to the ways that I am so used to walking, and it's me, I was the problem, and I will follow you. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, I gave the right to become children of Almighty God. You know, I, me and you have they've been raised in, in, in situations like this on Sundays. We've had so many faithful preachers and so many faithful Sunday school teachers and so many faithful moms and dads and, and friends, parents. We hear that, and you know you just, it's like getting pecked by a duck. You don't even feel it anymore. Let's drink it in on Christmas. This is the truth. That or you and I are to be pitied more than anyone. And friends, that ain't, that ain't happening. We're not to be pitied. You and I are to be envied if we are children of the living God through his son, Jesus, that he sent. Amen. Christmas reminds us that God always keeps his promises. Always. But he keeps them on his terms, not ours. His terms are better, though. We're going to see that in about a trillion years. We'll still be seeing it. A gazillion years, we'll still be seeing it. Your ways were better, Lord. Thank you that you called me to your ways and not my ways. My ways had me going to hell. Your ways saved me out of it and gave me this, this inconceivable life in eternity that I can't possibly conceive this side of it. Well, I've discovered that just about everything that's ever happened to me in my life and ministry has been a complete surprise 
when it comes to following the Lord. Haven't you? You expect him to do this, he does this. You're walking this way expecting this to happen. Nope, this happens, and it's better. It's always better, especially with a little time in hindsight. It's always better to get what God promises us rather than what we hope he'll give us. My job and your job, brothers and sisters, is just to report for duty. To show up each day he gives us life. In the, in the idea of Christmas, that Jesus came with a body to fulfill the promises of God so that you and I can continue carrying out the work of God. Third and finally, Jesus came to accomplish God's will. The last part of verse 7 there in our text. I'll read the, I'll read the whole verse. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. The main purpose of Jesus' coming was to do the will of his Father. That's the main purpose for me and you living now. Nothing's changed. And he wants us to do it just like Jesus did. John chapter 4, verse 32 and 34, it's after Jesus has met with the, the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, and disciple, his disciples return with some food. You remember that? And he said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's why Jesus came. Fulfill the promises? Yes. To come in a body for sacrifice? Yes. But he came. all of this is part and parcel of doing the will of his father. That's why Jesus came. Why did you come? Why did he put you here? For something totally different than his son who was doing his perfect will? Or to do exactly the same thing as Jesus? That is your call in life. He has not called you to spread out on a cross after being whipped beyond recognition and die for anyone's sin. But he is calling you to live for him every day. Every day he gives you life. He wants us to accomplish his will. If you are a follower of this Jesus, then your goal is the same as his. You want to do everything he did. You want to be the fragrant aroma of his in this world that needs you to be that so desperately. He, needs to, he wants you to do everything that he wants you to do. It's easy for a preacher to stand in the pulpit and talk about holiness, but you know it's not easy, any easier for me than it is any of y'all to be wholly devoted unto the Lord. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. What God calls impossible is impossible. You cannot live a lukewarm life and please the Lord. He wants a white, hot heart for Jesus, and he wants you to run to the finish line like the, like the old marathon runners always say. It's like you want to run the second half faster than you ran the first half, and when you can sense, smell, or see the finish line, you want to sprint. This old body can't sprint anymore. But I better be sprinting in my heart. I want to be sprinting with my hands, my feet, with the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart. Don't you want that? Of course you do. He wants you to do his will, and he's worthy of us doing his will, which always winds up better for us than we could possibly think it is. It's easy to sing, I surrender all, and then surrender very little, and then dream of surrendering even less. I can't wait till I've got more. When I got more, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to dig my roots deeper and deeper and deeper into this world just to have it ripped up at death. Don't be a fool. 
We're here to do the will of God. It's better than anything we'll get here. It's better than anything we would want to do here. If you've tested that one, you've already found that to be true because God is faithful to show it to us. God isn't interested, I heard a pastor say one time, he's not interested in actors. He's interested in followers, people who will do his will. I'm thankful that Jesus was faithful and accomplished the will of his father and was obedient even to death on a cross. Well, Jesus came on Christmas and we celebrate it today to satisfy God's standards as only he could have, to fulfill his promises as only he could have, and to accomplish his, his will as only he could his way, and, but as we can for the call that he has on your life, not just our life collectively, your individual life. Are you doing the will of God here at Christmas? Well, I mean, you did come to church. I mean, check, check that box. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Kudos for that, but there's more, right? We don't want to be just hearers of the word. Now, I just want to encourage you with some words of concerning uh, reward and welcome. Can you imagine? One day you're going you're gonna to leave this place. Through Christ's return or your death. And you're going to see in that instant that he was worth it all. Everything you ever did for him. He was worth more than that. And you're going to stand in front of him. At some point in time, you're going to hear him say those words. Well done. Good and faithful servant. He's not going to say well said. He's not going to say well studied. Well read. Good and faithful servant. Well-intentioned or well-considered, he's going to say, well done, as you have accomplished his will. And he'll do it through you because you and I can't do it at all anyway. Isn't that great? We can just let go and let him take over, and he will be faithful. Jesus came to earth, and he did satisfy God's sin. He did fulfill the promises of God, and he did accomplish his will. You know, I'm going to give you a little hypothetical scientific truth. But if you took off from Los Angeles on uh, the 24th of December and you went west toward Asia, and as you approach, there's an international date line. You know what I'm talking about out there? It's not really there. I've flown over it a couple times. I was looking, it ain't there. But it is there for our purposes. And if it was 11.59 and 57 seconds, 56, or 56, 58, 59, midnight, just as you went over that, that line, that international date line, it would instantly be the 26th of December. You would have missed the 25th in that instant. Friends, we don't want to miss the purpose of Christmas because we don't want to miss the king of Christmas. We don't want to miss the majesty of the King of Christmas. And whether we want to believe it or not, when we leave this place, we don't want to miss out on anything he has for us to do in accomplishing his will. The reward system of heaven is his idea. It's good. It's good to be greedy for it. It's, it's a holy greed when we want to get more in heaven than we could ever have here. 
Because it all goes back to his glory. Our king is worth all the glory. Amen. I'm so glad Jesus came. I'm so glad he saved me March 15th, 1980. I'm so glad that he continues to put up with me and be patient with me and to, and to coax me along and call me to take one more step outside of the, the comfort zone where I would love to live. What about you? I've sat in this very room being lost, and I've heard preachers preach and left here being lost. Is this king that we've talked about, is this Christmas something that you know all about, but you know nothing about? You know everything in your head. You know as much as I do or any of these adults maybe is if you're a young person. Or maybe you're an older person and you are, you are chock full of wisdom when it comes to the Bible. You know Jesus. You know all about him. But you know if the President of the United States limo broke down right out here in front of this church, a man who we've seen since, I have, since the 80s on television, who's been in, in, in the, uh, the Senate. I know, I know so much about him. Everything's televised these days. Everything's on the Internet. But his car broke down, and he hopped out, and I walked out that door, and I was like, it's President Biden. And I started running to him. Hey, my hand out. Good to see you, and thank you for being here, Mr. President. If I start that, there are going to be some very large men in dark suits, dark glasses, and things inside their coat that are going to have me eating pavement almost instantly. I know him. He doesn't know me. Does Christ know you? Have you given yourself to him? Or is it all here? But it needs to transfer to your will, to your soul. We've got just about an extra minute or two here. So I'd like to pray for you now, and then we'll have a, a quick invitation, if that good, a quick uh, Song of invitation, I'll stand down here to pray with you if you need it. But don't leave this place knowing about the king who came on Christmas, but not knowing him or being known by him. What a tragedy that would be. Not today, though. Let's all leave here in glory, not in tragedy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for our time in your word. Thank you for these men and women, these young people who are here, that you assembled in eternity past. No accident that we are here, this group. Lord, if there's anyone who doesn't, who isn't known by you? Oh God, draw them into your family right now as we, as we sing this song. Move upon them, Father. Convict them deeply of sin. Set them free in redemption that they may follow you all the days of their life. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.